This episode is brought to you by Vonage. Your business needs more than an 800 number. With Vonage Voice API, you can provide the call experience your customers expect and get the data your team needs. From call analytics and virtual assistance to automatic speech recognition and text-to-speech in multiple languages. Your customer service team can help more people in more places. And with in-app voice, your customers can easily contact you the moment they have a question. Take your calls to the next level with Vonage Voice API. Learn more at Vonage.com. Hi guys, welcome back to Skincare Anarchy. This is our third season and for our first episode, our launch episode, we have a very, very, very special guest. Um, Today we invited on uh, Brian Underwood. He is the beauty director for Oprah Magazine. He has more than 13 years of lifestyle journalism experience and has worked for so many different publications, including Fitness Magazine, Women's Health, Seventeen, Cosmopolitan, amongst many, many more. Um, what's really, really amazing is that he's also been recognized by reputable organizations such as the Skin Cancer Foundation. And, you know, I can't even do justice to his background. So welcome, Brian. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so, so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. We're so happy to have you. Can you tell us or tell our listeners about yourself and do justice to your background? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you did a great, great job. Um, Yeah, I, um, I, I've been working in the publishing industry for uh, pretty much my entire career. Uh, I started out uh, interning at magazines and I I sort of knew that Mm -hmm. I wanted to work in magazine publishing. This was around thousands and so a lot of a lot has changed since then of course um but you know back then it was really before uh the internet as we know it uh right now and today and certainly before podcasts so this was really (laughs) where people were getting their information primarily on newspapers magazine television and i of the three magazines just appealed to me the most i I, I loved the creative process. It felt like this little sort of monthly compendium of yeah. of of art and fashion and writing. And it just really appealed to me. That that medium really appealed to me. And so I knew I wanted to do that. And and honestly, didn't really start out covering beauty. I I yeah. sort of you know, started out in a more kind of features department role. Uh, I did some health, I did some lifestyle. And then I started seeing like, you know, those girls in the style and beauty departments having yeah. so, much, so much fun. And I thought <laughs> that seems like something that I could could be interested in and and something I'd always been interested in and was able to kind of pivot to you know, style, primar- primarily style coverage and have yeah. sort of, you know, gone from there. I've, I've held fashion roles. I've held sort of general lifestyle roles. And I think I, I've now had, this is, you know, my second beauty director job. And I think wow. it's what, you know, kind of what really appeals to me most. It's a nice blend, at least in the publishing world, it's a nice blend of being uh, involved in the art side of things, the photo shoot side of things, the art direction side of things, and then also yeah. in the words. And so it's a nice, right. it's a nice, nice mix. And we, we get to play around with 
product all day. You know, who doesn't love, <laughs> who yeah. wouldn't love to do that? I was going to ask you about that when you said you wanted to switch over to the style. I was like, was it the PR? I was, well, <laughs> I was, I was seeing that these, these, these editors were getting these great day. And I thought I yeah. want to be, I want to be a part of that. Um, and right. uh, it's a blessing and a curse. Uh, it's, especially uh, now that we've all sort of pivoted to working from home, my apartment that was already in and with products is, is further inundated since everything is coming to here. Yeah. But I, I'm the last person to complain because it's a really fun gig and I feel very, I, I feel very fortunate <laughs> to have it. That's amazing. That sounds like, it, it sounds like a dream come true, honestly. I mean, that's, it, when I first saw your profile, I was just like, wow, you know, I can't imagine having the job of a beauty director for such a reputable magazine and then having so many people just kind of reach out to you. And, you know, do you, do you deal with that on a daily basis? Like, how do you manage that? I mean, I'm sure you have every brand reaching out to you. Yeah, you know, I do. And with, you know, I, I've, I've become active on social media as, as, you know, so many people have, as everyone has. And that's really opened up um, even more interaction with different people. I actually love it, honestly, because in the traditional correspondence, you know, email, PR pitches, that sort of thing, you know, you form relationships with those people, you know, those brands. Uh, it's, it's great. It's great to hear what's new. What's so great about social media is that this brand that may not have the budget for PR representation, that may not have the budget for marketing, can just DM me and say, yes. hey, this is what we're doing. Are you interested in learning more and trying some of our products? And I think that's so great because you can find these little gems of brands and and sort of yeah. share those little with your readers. Uh, I think it's great okay. to be the, I think it's great to be the you know, among the first to try new products from very well-established brands. But I find it even more thrilling to find this brand that not a lot of people know yet and, yeah, and, to, and, to yeah. help, and to help them get to a place, you know, where a lot of people know about them. So exactly. that's really fun. Honestly, it's, it's yeah. a really fun that's part of the so job. That's so cool. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because there's so many indie brands these days popping up, especially in skincare. Yeah. And I know just as like influencers, both Farheen and I um, originally have been, you know, influencers and we, you know, see them all the time. Yeah. So as, you know, as a beauty director, that's crazy. And, and it's wonderful to hear that. It's great. Say that. It's great. And I, I really believe that indie beauty is like the future of, of beauty. And I think yeah. these are the yeah. brands that that people feel real connection to and have like a really devoted, devoted following. And I think that's great. I think there's something to be said for being able to go to any store in the country, any drugstore and pick out a product and, and know what you're getting and know that brand for that. But I also think there's just something so great about these little undiscovered gems. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with you. Honestly, I mean, it's it's so many. Too, so right? many. <laughs> so like, many. There's like a, 
There's a skincare line for everything and anybody, I think, these days. Yeah, and it's really skincare. You know, you're seeing so much of the market shift from cosmetics uh, to skincare. And I love that. And I think that is so in keeping with our overall wellness and health and self-care so to me it makes total sense that skincare is kind of taking center stage right now in beauty uh and look it's it's so fun to play around with makeup and swatch makeup and look at the pretty colors and the beautiful textures and that that will never not be fun but I do love this idea of people women and men you know experimenting with skincare, taking care of themselves, you know, and, and really sort of embracing their sort of their natural kind of their natural look, you know, which I think is, is really important. It's like be comfortable in your own skin kind of thing. Totally. You know, it's like, I, I, I've been noticing that. So yeah. So I want to ask you actually, because I'm very curious what made you pick Oprah magazine. I mean, what, what made you think Oprah magazine was a good fit for you as a beauty director? Well, look, I think when I was starting in the industry, it was the early 2000s. Oh, launched. And, and being a, a sort of young editor and this, this magazine launched that really changed everything and it was the place to work at the time like everyone wanted to work at O. and I think it was because of Oprah of course I mean Oprah is a a, a force but they were (laughs) she is a force force. (laughs) they were also doing really interesting things and I'll give you one example you know up until that if you were casting a beauty or a fashion story, the fashion books and the magazines geared toward younger readers were using the girls from the fashion walls. They were using the fashion models. Mm-hmm. That's who they used for to cast their stories. The the you know women's magazines that were geared toward an older audience were using the lifestyle girls. The you know the girls from at the agencies from the lifestyle roster because and and you know not so fashiony so that's where it was it was still a model and what mm. was so revolutionary was they cast fashion and beauty stories with real people real women non-models they weren't fashion models they weren't lifestyle models they were real women and at the time that was a huge yeah that must have been a do. huge change yeah yeah yeah, it was. And I think Oprah, Oprah's point was she was so tired of opening magazines, whether it was Harper's Bazaar yeah. or Good Housekeeping, and not seeing women that looked like her reflected on yes. those pages. Yes. And yeah. I think that's when it sort of clicked in her head. Why are we not photographing our stories on people that look like me? Women of all shapes and sizes, women of all racial and ethnic bath- backgrounds. And that was a, a real revolutionary revolutionary idea at the time. Yeah. Now we think of representation it's so funny because representation and diversity are still 
conversations that we are having today in the fashion and beauty industries. And Oprah was breaking down those, those walls and those barriers 20 years ago. And that to me is, is one reason why I wanted to work for O. I mean, that's an amazing reason. I mean, just, yeah. And the way it spoke to, the way it spoke to women, it was, it was smart. It was not pandering. It, it had this authoritative tone, but it wasn't con. It was there was no condescension. It was just. It was yeah. so smart, and really, yeah. the smartest people in the industry worked there. And so, I knew if I was lucky enough to be a part of something like that, it would be a real blessing. And um, and yeah. it it has yeah. been. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. So do you try to keep that, that same theme that drew, like drew you in at first with the, you know, having real women and real people just, you know, do you try to keep that theme as you edit, you know, anything that you approve yeah, for the beauty Absolutely. Poems? I mean, you know, so I, I've been at O for about, just over three years. Um, when mm-hmm. I started at O, as much as, as much admiration as I had for the content in the beauty pages, at that time, I still thought that there was room to make the section a bit dynamic. So I saw visual representations of 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 all women, but I didn't necessarily see that represented in the we were covering. So it's one thing to put a black woman. Uh, use a, a a black woman as a model in a beauty story. That's that's one thing, but to do a story yeah. on different styles, or to do a celebrates the Afro, or to do a story that yeah. celebrate yeah. that to do a, an anti aging story, let's say that focuses instead of on wrinkles and lines and wrinkles on pigment problems, which we know is the number one skincare issue that melanin rich complexions right. deal with as they age. You need to, you need to mm-hmm. visually represent different women on your pages, but you also need to cover the topics that are important to them. And that was one, yeah. that was one area where I really thought we could be better. And 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 yeah. and and yeah. and do better. And those three stories that I mentioned to you were done since I've been at O. We did a big story uh, the first um, summer I was there. We did a big story on black women and skin cancer, um, just really discussing mm-hmm. how certainly it's less prevalent in dark. Uh, dark, darker women, but it's it's also yeah, more yeah. deadly uh, because it's detected later. And there's really there's really yeah. a lot of outreach and education yeah. that needs yeah. to happen because you are you know the the women that we spoke to for this story told us over and over again that culturally sun protection is not something that was culturally ingrained in their beauty routines and certainly that's you know certainly that's changing now when you have rihanna you a three piece skincare collection and one of those three pieces is a sunscreen you know that you know that that's changing (laughs) um absolutely i'm so 
happy to see because the other thing that we talked about in that story was just this idea that there were no sunscreens being created that black women wanted to even use. There weren't. Yeah. Or any women of color. Right. I mean, as for and I are two women of color and we can't, I mean, even today it's hard to find. Like you said, any melanin rich complexion, it's very, very hard to find a sunscreen that, that is, that looks nice. And, and at the end of the day, the only sunscreen that's going to be effective is the one that you're going to use. And you're only going to use one that you want to use. And so I, I'm so glad that that's changing, but talking about those topics, doing stories on those topics was really something that was very important to me. And then the other thing was Oprah is known for having real doing really thoughtful interviews with celebrities. And I thought that there was a a way that we could incorporate that into the beauty section, which had no celebrity coverage, uh, you know, when I started and make it feel different than what you would get from an interview, say in, in style, you know, which is totally focused on, but what what could we do at O to make it different? And it was really talking about products and favorite products and what they use. Yeah. But like, what are these bigger conversations around beauty? These conversations about inclusion, having a seat at the table, uh, you know, these, you know, sexism, yeah. feminism. So, you know, we did this column, we debuted this column called, called Beauty Talk and we really saw it we wanted it to be a mix of A-listers and notable people yeah. that had just something really interesting to say. And it was really inspired by, you know, Nicole Byer, um, fabulous comedian, mm-hmm. if if people aren't familiar with Nicole. She wrote a, an essay yeah. uh, for Lenny Letter called, you know, Dear Makeup Artist. I'm paraphrasing. Let me do this, but it's, it was something like, <laughs> Dear Makeup Artist, stop fucking up my black face and it was it was just about how she's been (laughs) sitting in makeup chairs years and has never come across a makeup artist who knows how to do black skin and like why are we still having that conversation in 2018 which is when we ran her column so we started to do that you know we talked about we talked to um sarah sophie flicker about um, you know, who's one of the founders of the Women's March about she she's also she has this very striking look. She has very dark hair and she wears a very red lip. And, yeah. you know, we talked to her about this juxtaposition of a woman feeling comfortable to experiment with cosmetics, but also, you know, how beauty had this, this nasty history of objectifying women. And has that changed? And can you be a woman? Can you be a, a, yes. a serious and, yeah. and still care about lipstick. And of course you can be. And, you know, having those conversations, we talked mm-hmm. to Chrissy Metz about, you know, sizeism and what needs to be, you know, happen there. And those conversations I think were really important to have. And I think we at O were very uniquely yeah. positioned to have them. Um, and yeah, yeah. It sounds and like so it. those it were really two like things it. that I really, really wanted to bring to the, to the magazine that I think we could. So 
let me let me ask you as, as just like yeah. a follow-up question to that um now that we're seeing this more and more because it sounds like you were really in that position of becoming you know um oprah magazine really became a trendsetter in this way because now everybody's talking about real right. women and real models and real right. skin concerns you know so now when you look at the same column right and how do you how do you avoid redundancies how do you avoid talking about because i feel like oftentimes as just a consumer i see you know, somebody's talking about, well, be proud of, you know, your weight or be proud of whatever aspect it is that they're trying to highlight. But then you keep seeing that same thing right. in every publication. You know what I mean? So like to avoid that redundancy, what did like from your perspective, what do you think? You um, know, I think that you took? in that problem, I think it was really about finding people that have something interesting to say. And, you know, I think yeah, you know, a lot, you, a lot of brands, a lot of media brands get very enticed and very hypnotized by access to a very A-list celebrity. And, you know, I am mm-hmm. very honest when I'm pitched these celebrities, whether it's through their personal publicist or through a brand publicist to say, we'll talk about the fun stuff, but I can't, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. We're not going to do this interview if such and such a celebrity will not answer these questions. And, you know, we send them, you know, you know, very specific, very kind of hard hitting questions, um, you know, related to their work and what they do and, and what they've spoken out against. And I find that if they're willing, usually a good interview. And if they're not, it usually won't be. And we just, we just won't waste anyone's time because we're we're not looking to, yeah. like you said, we're not looking to have someone parrot back something that's already been said. We want, you know, new insights. And I think that's also about finding people, regardless of how famous they are, finding people, like I said, with something interesting to say. There's a novelist. Um, her name's Aro Kwan. She's Korean-American. She wrote this fabulous debut novel, and, um, you know, our, our books department, which is obviously a huge part of, O, they couldn't, they couldn't cover yeah. the novel in the particular issue that, uh, they were working on. So I, you know, Googled her and she had this really striking makeup look. She's this very serious, accomplished novelist Hmm. but she has this amazing sort of cat eye makeup that she does and she's a total skincare nerd and we ended up having this fabulous (laughs) conversation about korean beauty and does korean beauty have a race problem you know because we know so many of those products are skin lightening products or they tout skin lightening and then we had a conversation about the fetishization of asian women and you know one of the reasons why she does this really cool makeup look is to sort of you know turn that on its head and so I think it's it's really mostly yeah. the job of an editor to find those people who you can have yeah conversations with that you're not going to have anywhere else. That's so cool. Wow. I love that. I love that you actually asked her that bold of a question to like to address that, you know. And she, <laughs> about the, and she uh, was so yeah. excited to answer it and so 
wanting to answer. I think people want to have these conversations. And, you know, if, you know, if I, you know, get an interview request and it's like 15 minutes over email, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. You know, I, it's just, you can't really do a great interview over email. You need to get on the phone with someone and and talk with someone. And, um, you know, I, I just talked to Helen Mirren for uh, an upcoming uh, story that we're going to run on OprahMag.com about sort of, you know, ageism. And she just had some really amazing things, funny, insightful things to say. Certainly the same old stuff that you hear, which, you know, growing older is great, blah, 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 which it is, of course. Um, but she also yeah. said, you know, you have two <laughs> options in life. You can either die or get yeah. older. And she said, and I don't want to die. And <laughs> she said, I, I, I'm fine with getting older. She said, in fact, I feel really bad for Kurt Cobain. Because think about it. He he died and he didn't get to see all of these amazing things that have happened since 1994 to now. Yes. And she said, think about getting older is just experiencing yeah. more of all of this this interesting and innovative stuff and certainly along the way comes challenges, but you get to see so much. And I thought that was so cool of her to say, and I, I never thought of it that way before. And, and that's what you yeah, want. You I want people that. to talk about say things to you that inspire you to think about things in a way that you've never thought of them before. Right. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. Especially from a journalist standpoint, right? I mean, like, just you want to get the truth out of people. And I can't, you know, and and to, like, going back to your 15 minutes over an email, how am I supposed to get any Absolutely, and I I always find those those (laughs) answers to be highly edited by publicists and not a grain of, of anything interesting in there. Um, (laughs) You know, and, and that's not, you know, what my job is. That's so interesting, Brian, because I didn't even know you could do an interview uh, over email. I, it's completely I new am to me. So, <laughs> you, I'm so shocked that, you know, that that is the request that I will send questions <laughs> and, and have them respond via email. It's just to me, like you said, it's sort of, is that an interview? <laughs> Like, what is that? Um, and it's yeah. just like, a, and, and you know what? It's, it's more and more of that, to be honest, which is sad. Um, mm-hmm. But I think yeah. that um, there's a lot of content out there. There's a lot of media outlets out there. Perhaps for some of them, that would be sufficient. Um, but I, 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 I want to create content that is is not just okay. You know, I think that's, yeah, I think that's, well, I think people now more than ever want to have deeper conversations sure, and want to consume content that's more meaningful and that's more insightful. And it's a kind of a product of, you know, more surface level stuff that's been out on social media and in the mainstream. Um, and I'm glad that now we're having deeper conversations because it just 
gives us so much more insight into that person, into that um, issue. And that's one of the reasons why Ekta and I even started this podcast yeah. because an Instagram uh, caption yeah. wasn't enough right. to talk about the deep yeah. issues that we're For having sure. in skincare and beauty and everything surrounding that. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And, and yeah. exactly. there's so many people doing so many interesting things in beauty that it really is hard to do it justice in some format. And so why try? Just leave mm-hmm. that stuff for the formats that can really give it its due. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. So I have to yeah. ask you, kind of stemming from that, what are maybe the top three most surprising things that you have done as a beauty editor that you didn't imagine that you would okay. be doing? So, um, First, number one, I was basically (laughs) um, a sort of cruise entertainment director for about two years. Um, I, yeah, so we had a partnership. Oh, wow. uh, O Magazine had a partnership for three years with Holland America Cruise Line. This was, of course, um, pre-COVID, whereby we uh, produced... I think it was like six O Magazine themed cruises a year. And they brought editors on board lead various sessions. So we had our books editor lead uh, book clubs on board. We had our creative director do like style style sessions. And then I did uh, a couple beauty sessions uh, on board. Uh, I think I sailed four times total um and it was so fun and it's not it's not anything you'd ever think would be part of an editor's job (laughs) is to sort of go on a cruise for a week um but it was Brian you're making me want to quit my my day job in medicine I mean it was was so fun and it was that's you know, that's what media is today. Media is not, media is not a printed magazine. It's not a website. It is a real brand. It's a brand experience. And I thought that was so smart of a publisher to bring this to life in that way. And the response that we got was amazing. And it was so fun. And for us, you know, it's sort of like, you sometimes feel that you as an editor are sort of in your own little world doing your own little thing and and you're maybe not as in touch with the audience that you're really editing for as you'd like and so this was a way that I yeah. you know I really got so close to these women and and heard from them directly about what they what their questions were about and what they wanted to know more about and what they wanted to see in the magazine more and that is just like invaluable feedback to get so Mm -hmm. I'd say that definitely uh one of my uh one of my things I didn't think I would be doing would was being a cruise director um the other thing (laughs) is you know I didn't think I'd be doing as much of um is 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 working with advertising brands um you know that has really changed quite a bit uh you know when when i started in this industry 
there was a real separation of what what we called church and state and church was editorial and state was advertising and marketing mm. separation and you did not toe that line now it's quite different yeah. um and really the speed at which internet content evolved and developed i think is really a part of this and so now you know you're working with brands on sponsored content, you're working with brands on uh, native content. And for me, I don't have a problem collaborating with brands who are paying for content, as long as it's content that I believe that our reader would want anyway. And that's what I try to do when I'm given a brief for some sort of native or sponsored editorial, I really, really tried my hardest to sort of spin that brief into content that that serves everyone's purposes. So it it, it serves the brand's purposes. It, it gets their message out there, provided it's a message we want to amplify. And it also is, is just good content for our readers. And that's been an interesting sort of puzzle, not one that I you know, having grown up in this industry at a different time, not one that I expected, um, but certainly one that became a big part of my job um, at O and and elsewhere in recent years and, and one that was, you know, surprising. Um, and then I think, you know, I just, I, if you would, if you had, you know, told me, you know, 10 years ago that I'd get to meet Oprah and I'd get to introduce her to my parents and I'd, I'd get to go on a, on a cruise with her. I never would have believed you. Um, but that was obviously a huge, a huge, oh huge thrill as well. By the way, can we ask? Yeah, of course, of course. Um, you know, <laughs> she, I want to know. I, I really want to know. What you'd expect her to be. Um, she's very... She, well, here's what you would expect her to be. You'd expect her to be very sort of a little bit down to business, um, which she is. Uh, uh, you know, friendly, which she is. I think what a lot of people don't expect is how funny she is. I mean, she is so funny it's like hilarious and she's just at this stage in her life where she's so successful and she's built that success from nothing except hard work and determination yeah and she just is so funny she she gets up on stage and she'll do a talk and she'll say things like you know, I know you all are out there thinking like my life must be so great. And she's like, and I'm here to tell you it's even better than you could imagine. <laughs> and she's just, she's so <laughs> funny. And, and, and that's what I, yes. I love about her. And of course, Gail is the real kind of like heart and soul of our brand. She's been the editor at large at O since the beginning, since the year 2000. Um, And she really is the eyes and ears of Oprah, um, but also the kind of heart and soul of what we do. And, and she's so involved. This is a woman who has a major 
daily morning news broadcast that she does every day Mm -hmm. and who also shows up to our office by like, well, you know, again, before COVID, um, showed up to our office by 1030 and stayed until six at night. You know, this is not someone Mm -hmm. who has her name on the masthead and that's it. She is in pitch meetings. She sits there. She has a piece of pizza with us. She talks about ideas with us. She's involved. And, and that's, that's been amazing too. You know, when I interviewed at O, she interviewed me, you know, she's the one who did my job interview. So, you know, that I think a lot of people are surprised by that this, you know, incredibly successful, incredibly busy woman can be so invested. And she is, she's, she's invested. That's the, the only way to say it. I love that there's, I love that you guys yeah. have this preservation of professionalism, you know, because I've, you know, it's, it's just so refreshing to hear that because I think that oftentimes when the higher up you get, you know, people kind of get loose a little bit. There's really, you don't really have contact with yeah. the higher ups anymore. Uh, so I've heard, you know, so if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but you know, that's what I've heard. So I love that you're saying all this because you know, you wouldn't, we wouldn't think that on our, you know, as just a consumer, I wouldn't think that there's so much direct involvement, you know, and so much hands-on. And it, it is. In everything and I, that you you're know, doing, I, you I'm know. I'm not sure. So that's amazing. It's, it's there with every brand, but certainly with ours, there's a real, and it's Gail, yeah. there's just a real uh, preservation. You put it perfectly, this real preservation of professionalism and thoughtfulness about, about the product that we produce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I want to ask you, Brian, about because both yeah. Raheen and I come from this influencer background, right? From from the Instagram perspective. So, do you ever look towards influencers for any kind of inspiration? Any kind of you know, just something to like? I don't know. Maybe give you an idea for your next piece, or you know, anything like that. Um, I mean, absolutely. Has there ever been I, a situation know, like that for you? What the what influencers yeah. do? is is different from what we do as editors but but it's it's still creative content it's still art direction it's still uh editorial it's it's so it's different but it's not really that different it's just a different platform and so certainly i mean I'm a magazine editor, but I live in a world where social media has become where so many people get their information. The majority of people get their information on social media. And so for me to ignore mm-hmm. those content creators would would be a huge disservice to my myself mainly. Um, and right. so absolutely, I have my information that I follow um and look you know we as editors now are also encouraged to be active on social media and you have some editors that have huge social media presences and and have even transitioned from being editors to now being you know really professional influencers brand people um, so I'm certainly looking mm-hmm. to them to, yeah. Yeah. you know, how can I art direct a post? How can I, um, you know, how can I convey my content in a caption better? So absolutely. And I think that, I think that it's, 
the relationship between an editor and an influencer seems like naturally antagonistic because it's almost like editors were the original influencers and now influencers are sort of so influential. Um, yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's I like micro seen, editors seen, almost yeah. everywhere, I you know? <laughs> as something that we can sort of learn from one another yeah. and, and, and in a spirit of collaboration yeah. and, and I've certainly learned a lot from from the people that I follow and have become friendly with some of them. Um, so I think absolutely, to answer your question, I absolutely look to influencers to inspire me. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. So really love what do you feel like um, O has done in the last, I would say, like five years that that you've done to adapt to the, you know, the taking off of Instagram and TikTok and all these other um, places where people are getting their yeah, information. Yeah, so it's a great question and a timely one for O. Um, so we're adapting and evolving. And so we want our content to be everywhere where people consume content. So of the print publication, we have a, our website, which is the fastest growing website in the Hearst portfolio. Um, and then we have our social media presence. So our Instagram presence as of last time I checked was 1.4 million. Um, and we have, we have one of the most, one of the largest and most engaged audiences wow. on Instagram in all of Hearst's media empire. So it's, it's that, but you know, sure if you or your listeners have have read this but the o brand beginning next year is evolving and um we're not going to be publishing a magazine every month anymore um we're going to be publishing yeah we're going to be publishing four times a year and the rest of our content will be digital first um and i can't share too many details right now um but it's going Mm -hmm. to be very different uh and very exciting and i think will be a really modern and something that's going to be very different from the the rest of the hearst titles currently and i think it's really exciting um we're going to be adapting uh, to exactly your question to to really make sure that we're delivering our content everywhere that people are consuming content. So it's certainly after 20 years of, of doing things the way we're doing things, it's going to be a whole new world starting in 2021. Um, and mm-hmm. it's very exciting. And I'm very excited. Wow you know, to be part of that and to see, uh, to see where we go from here. Um, so I, yeah, you know, I'm excited to see what you guys come out with uh, in the digital realm, you know? Um, and I think (laughs) it is a natural progression for the brand. One that Oprah is 100% behind and in favor of, and one that I think will be very, very exciting. Well, we're excited. excited. Yeah. I I think it's going to be amazing. I wish I could could share more. Yeah. Well, 
<laughs> yeah, no, we wish you could too, but you know, privileged, we understand. Privileged it's information. Like, you know, Got to keep things hush hush for a while. But <laughs> honestly, <course>. yes. <laughs> uh, but so okay, so now that now that um, we know that you have been, you know, so involved with beauty, and it's oh my god, I'm still starstruck. By the way, you. I just want to say that, <laughs> you know, uh, no, honestly. But like going forward, what do you see as the future for the beauty industry? I mean, you know, yeah, I know it's a very big umbrella question, but I mean, what do you think is coming up? You know, in terms of I don't know, I guess brands like you know. More so, I want to focus on brands because I want to go back to that indie brand conversation we were having about how all of these brands are popping up. And now I'm guessing a lot of them are going to be reaching out to publications. You know, they want to be featured in like, you know, obviously Oprah Magazine, Allure, all these big publications. What do you what do you look for and what do you see coming um, with this? I really do believe that indie beauty brands are are really the future of beauty, I think what I really find so interesting is this idea of true like entrepreneurship in beauty. So I'm thinking of, you know, it's really, it's really like the best entrepreneurs just in general, what do they do? They find a problem and they solve it. They they find something that was lacking in their lives and they create it. So I'm specifically thinking, are you guys familiar with this brand called Guide Beauty? So I like how incredible is that this makeup artist gets Parkinson's, can no longer do makeup the way she was able to. Yeah, because of her illness. So what does she do? She creates mm-hmm. this whole brand yeah. based on that, and it's it's so yeah. mind-boggling exactly, to me yeah. how incredible that is, and how 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 innovative it is. And yeah. you know, and- it's so innovative. It's so innovative. Of, yeah, I mean that's a very cool example. But then you even think of a brand like you know, pause while aging, which is, was created by, you know, this, 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 this beauty, longtime beauty executive who just got to menopause and just felt like, why is no one talking about this? Why do I have to, you know, why do I, why do I, as a woman going through this, still not really understand what it is? Why can my doctor not tell me about this? And why are there no skincare brands out there that address yeah. mm-hmm. like the very unique issues that I'm facing? So she created this brand and that's what her brand is all about. And I really do yeah. feel like that is the future of beauty to me is women and men coming up with solutions to problems. And it's, it's just, I guess, the hallmark of just yes. good entrepreneurship in any industry. But the beauty industry in particular has so many examples of that. And it, it's changing the conversation around what is beautiful and, and what do we need out of our products and what should we expect out of our products. And I think that's so important. And yeah. I think that that's that that's what we need more of and what I think we'll get more of. 
that's yeah i love that yeah i love that you i love that you brought that um yeah. the brand up the guide the guide beauty example because i remember when i first saw that i was so i was a little confused i mean i have a medical background so i was a little confused at first but I then mean, i was like so oh my goodness cool. this is amazing like <laughs> you know the this is nuts. Yeah. So cool. And so innovative. And I mean, right. From an, even from an engineering standpoint, right. It just looks like so much work went into that. So that's so cool. So, I mean, I guess then, yeah, you know, the innovation part, because I, I wonder oftentimes because with skincare, I feel like I'm seeing the same stuff over and over again, where I see a lot of, you know, um, like the actives, lots of, lots of, you know, lots of hyaluronic antioxidants and all that stuff. So lots of red belly. I think we got to this place. Yeah. I think we got like, I feel like 10 years all about the, like, plant that grew on the side of a mountain in the Himalayas and and bloomed even in the winter and we extracted the essence and put it into our formula and now you know there's been this rebound to like these very tried and true ingredients and to me the like epitome of making that cool is drunk elephant is the inky list um those bands that have really capitalized on that but now of course you're seeing every brand has vitamin c every brand has mm-hmm. you know when you see Olay launching a retinol, everybody line, does, yeah. you know that we're at like peak <laughs> retinol penetration. <laughs> um, and yeah. I, I, I happen, I happen to think it's a very good retinol line. Um, but you know, it, I just think that, like, yes, we, we've yeah. hit ingredient saturation. Uh, how much? Not can we have? I mean, how look, much I retinol can we have? How much retinol can we? But you know, I think that we've we've hit the ingredient saturation <laughs> point, and I do think ingredients are great, and I do think you look for certain ingredients. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm not a chemist, and there are challenges to everything that we as consumers, even as yeah. you know, myself as a quote on. Un- expert even though I don't really think of myself as a beauty expert even 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 people who are educated on the topic oh please there's still <laughs> things that we just don't know the inner workings of this and how things certain work and and the yeah. balance in a formula so I think um I think it'll be interesting to see where this sort of ingredient focus you know pivots from here yeah I really, really hope we take off with the ingredients. I'm sorry. When I hear something like the white lily extract from, you know, like the shores of the Ganges or something, you know, I don't listen, listen, I'm not interested. And maybe it's because of my medical background or my science background, but I want to see more of like, for example, Neode. Like I love, I I feel like I bring up Neode every single episode we have because I'm just love, I love the chemistry perspective of a skincare line. You know what I mean? So it's like, I want to know that what you're doing makes sense scientifically. And I, that, you know, that's why I ask you this question because I see so many lines that are so focused on this aesthetic appeal to, you know, you should, you know, buy it because like you said, you know, it's that one thing that nobody knew about that grows in the Himalayas, you know, but 
at the same time, when it comes to cha- like actually being effective, um, a lot of these yeah. chemistry brands, I mean, I look, so are much, really getting their, so much their of the skincare that I use, the, you know what I mean? It's like so, very no frills, like very sort of clinical brands, yeah. um, you know, but, you know, and look, there is certainly something to be said for yes, yeah, buying yeah. something because it's pretty and it's beautiful and it's a luxurious experience to use. And, you know, that's great. And if that's what you want to do, that's that's fine. That's great. Do it. I mean, we're only on this earth for a certain number of years and enjoy yourself and do what makes you happy. Um, but, yeah, I do think. I want my skin. I want to know, you know, that right. my skincare, you know, is gonna is gonna net net me some results. Mm-hmm. It's working, right? Right. So, okay, I am going to ask you one last question from my end um, because I feel like I've been just stopping <laughs> no, no, this, this interview. So I'm so sorry for it. Um, but I want. I want to know, Brian, from your perspective, give, give us some tips that every an influencer or a new, um, you know, someone who's thinking of starting a skincare line or a beauty line, something to keep in mind um, as they go forward with that. And what you look for as a beauty director when you're about to feature a brand in your magazine. You I know, mean, you I know, think what, it what sort should of circles be, um, back to what know, we were talking about before, which is to sort of identify the white space, um, identify, look, I don't think that the white space always needs to be revolutionary in concept. I think sometimes it can just be revolutionary in how something is marketed, in how something speaks to people. I think that there is, you know, I've had this conversation with so and this, you know, Fenty really came on the block and said at the get, we're going to launch 40 shades of foundation and we're going to make sure that everyone knows that no matter what their skin yeah. tone, they can come to us and they can find a, a foundation for them. And it really revolutionized everything. And then behind the scenes, you talk to brands that are at mass mass retailers and they say well we could make 40 foundations too but you don't need 40 foundations to get the proper foundation match and there's we're limited by shelf space and so what a retailer tells us is these are your shades that sell so the so there's that 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 sort of difference between how someone a brand is speaking to people and then sometimes honestly the reality of doing business and the realities of products but here's the thing the message is still and so do you need 60 shades of foundation to find the the right foundation match for you maybe you don't maybe yeah. you don't need that how talking to people and saying you're represented here, you matter, you can find yourself here, more important. Message is more important. And so that's what I'll say is, you know, even if it's about changing the I think that's very important. That brand pause is another example. They have some products in their line that are lovely products. Are they products? 
that you could probably find similar in, in other lines? Sure, but they're talking about menopause in a way that other brands aren't, in a way that, that women want to talk about this, this life stage because it's been so hush-hush and so something that no one talks yeah. about and something that's been caught up in a loss of femininity and embarrassment. And so in this, in this the, the message is almost yeah, more important. Exactly. And I, I think that you can never understate how important it is to make people feel like they're being heard, like they're being seen, like they're being represented. I, I can't say enough how important I think that is. And, and so uh, that, you know, identifying that white space, whether it's in a very novel product or just in a novel way of talking about something, that's what I would encourage. So, you know, and that I think applies to whether you're a brand or whether you're an influencer. If you're an influencer, we know that there are so many people out there on social media doing so many different things. Try to just do you. Try to find the white space. Find, do something that that other people aren't doing. And Maybe it won't be completely unique, but it'll be your little twist on it. And that's probably unique enough. Um, I think that's the most, I think that's the most important thing to me, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that advice. I I completely agree with you too, because for my account, when I switched it over to yeah. something, I, I mean, I was reviewing products and then I started doing like reviews of the science behind it. It, for me, it was more satisfying. And, and then, too, so and then, and then you want to do you know, it more because can, you get I know, more you're right. out of it. Right? <laughs> you're, I mean, right. you're excited yeah. about doing it. And I think everyone can tell when someone's yeah. kind of phoning yeah. something in. And, and I think that's really important. So I'm so glad that like we're having all these conversations. I'm so glad that now when I meet with a brand and it's it's never we just have 20 shades anymore it's we have this many shades because we want people to feel like they can come to us and that we're a place for them and i i think that's so important and and i'm so glad that we're finally having those conversations for Hina and I want to thank Brian Underwood so much for coming onto our show you guys can find him on Instagram at the brian underwood so definitely check out his personal page and obviously follow Oprah Magazine for amazing beauty advice that's probably coming straight from Brian. So thank you guys so much for tuning in to this amazing episode and the launch of our first or our third season. And um, just stay tuned because this season is really going to be jam-packed with amazing guests and conversations. So stay tuned and give us a follow on Instagram. And please, please, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes or Spotify or any platform that you're listening to us on. We are now officially on seven different platforms. Um, so that's super exciting. But we can't grow if you guys don't give us a rating. So thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for episode two of season three.